0: Tim was saying last week we began this little mini series looking at the subject of hospitality and what the Bible has to say about it. And uh, like Tim was saying in his introduction, was that the Bible is pretty clear on this subject. There's some things that you can read in Scripture and you think, oh, I wonder if it means this or if it means that. There are some verses like that. You, you think, oh, I'm not quite sure where, where this lands. It could mean this, could mean that. And you just have to wrestle with it and look in other passages of the Bible and uh, look around and study and say, Look, what are you saying here? This is not one of those subjects. This is one of the subjects where it's just pretty clear. Be hospitable. But we looked at look um, some of the verses Last week, and it's not an optional extra to things, but it's clearly a command in scripture to us. So important is it for us, it's right up there in the list of characteristics that you should see in elders, or I would argue, in all leaders. So, last week, we looked particularly are the subject of offering hospitality largely to one another in the church—that was most of what we were talking about last week. Also, including those who are new, those who are looking in, visitors, and and so on. And I finished up last week by saying that today we would look at making space for others around your table. Maybe you clopped that phrase. That was the phrase I finished with last week. Maybe we look at making space for others around your table. So before we look at what that means, why don't we pray together and ask God to help us. Does that sound good? Yeah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and your goodness to us. And we pray now as we spend these few moments looking at this subject together, looking at what your word has to say to us. We pray, God, that you would open our hearts to hear from you, and you would speak to us, please. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Making space for others. So like we said last week, pretty much what we're talking about is hospitality within church, having people back for meals, so on and so forth, that sort of thing. And that's fine. That, that is an important part of the subject. But this morning, what I want to do is widen the definition of what hospitality might actually mean for us. So to help us do that, let's look at some scripture together, shall we? If you've got your Bible with you, why don't you turn please to Luke chapter 10? We're going to look at Luke chapter 10. If you've got it on your phone or your electronic device or you've got a uh, proper old school printed version like this, it might help you to have it in front of you. So Luke chapter 10, we're going to read from verse 25 through to 37. and We know this portion of Scripture as the parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. So this passage challenges us to be somewhat more radical in our approach to hospitality. Rather than keep it to a narrow, restrictive definition Jesus is going to be challenging us. He will challenge our preconceptions and our assumptions. And one of the ways he does that is the characters in the story. This man gets attacked going down on his journey, going from on the road going on his journey probably a a road he would have traveled on on many occasions and it's a road that would have been familiar to Jesus's audience they can picture it in their minds he's going down from Jerusalem to Jericho it's a well-traveled road and a popular journey and Jesus's audience would have been familiar and would have been thinking oh yeah I know that road." And Jesus goes on to tell how this particular man on one time got attacked when he was on this road. They're thinking, gosh, what's going to happen? And in the story that Jesus tells, the parable that he's telling here, the first person that comes along, Jesus' audience here they're thinking, oh, it's great, he's going to get looks after Look who's coming to help him. A priest happens to be coming along the same road. Thank goodness it's going to be okay. What does the priest do? He <coughs> one look at the guy and walks by on the other side. Jesus' listeners are horrified here. Next person that comes down the road, a Levite, another well-respected religious figure. Oh, it's okay, Levite's coming, it's all going to be good. And he takes one look at the man and again walks by. And then the third character that's coming along the road here, Jesus tells, is a Samaritan. Now, Now we need to understand these were some near neighbors of the Jewish people, but they weren't friends. They didn't get on well. And so when Jesus tells his audience that a Samaritan is coming along the other side, their, their assumption, their expectation would be that if the Samaritan walked past and the, the guy was in his pool of blood on the side of the road, if he was going to do anything, he's more likely to kick him than he is to help him up. That would have been their assumption. Or at least to walk by and ignore him, if he was perhaps of a kinder disposition. But neither of those things happen. In the story, we find that the Samaritan goes to him and tends to his wounds, takes care of him, and looks after him. Now, we know this story is the parable of the Good Samaritan. But Jesus didn't announce it or that. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to tell you the parable of the Good Samaritan. Because that would rather sport the punchline, wouldn't it? The teacher of the law was just listen to Jesus telling a story. We know the ending because many of us have heard it before. He didn't. Bear in mind, this is the guy that's trying to trip Jesus up, ask him questions to test him, and Jesus floors him by telling this story. He knew God's word, this teacher of the law, but did he put it into practice? It's a challenge for us there, isn't it? You know, we know much of God's word to us. Are we living it? Are we putting it into practice? Never mind the bits we don't quite understand. What about all the bits we do understand? Are we putting them into practice? Anyway, back to the parable. Jesus is talking here about taking care of someone who is different, who is not like the individual that came along. Our assumption when we talk about hospitality is that it refers to someone in the church, somebody maybe we know or that we're getting to know, somebody we like perhaps, someone who's like us, who has similar interests, similar background. There are many things in common. Showing hospitality to someone like that, having them over for a meal should not be too difficult for us. But taking it to another level, widening our definition, looking after somebody like this good Samaritan did, that widens it. Not just someone who has the same interests or is like you, but someone who is different, and in their case, even an enemy. You see, showing hospitality isn't just having someone over for a meal. Yes, that's part of it, but that's not all of it. The expert in the law came to Jesus and said, who is my neighbor? He might as well have asked, to whom should I show hospitality to? It would have been the same question. And Jesus tells this story to answer him. And he's making the point that it's not just someone like you. There shouldn't be any boundaries, there's no limits. It's not just someone you know, not just the person at church, not just your physical next-door neighbour. It's anyone and everyone, especially when they're in need. Anyone and everyone, especially when they're in need. Now, bear in mind, the Bible talks a lot about caring uh, for those who are vulnerable in society. talks a lot about the orphan, the fatherless. It's a subject we'll come back to later in the year about God's call to us and and how we serve people like that. But listen to this verse from Psalm 68 about how God describes himself, particularly relevant, I think, on Father's Day. Psalm 68, verse 5. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. Powerful verse, isn't it? So listen, let's go back to the Good Samaritan. He went way beyond what could have been reasonably expected of him. He could have just checked that he was alive. He could have just, you know, got some Band-Aid out and some elastoplast, do the best he can and carried on in his journey. Even that would have been better than what the priest and the Levite did, or rather didn't do. He could have perhaps bought him some lunch, given him some clothing. Maybe he could have given some money to a local charity that was working uh, on uh, providing safer passage on this rather dangerous route. That would have been a bad thing to do. So this man wasn't a project to be supported. He was a person to be loved. He was an individual in need to be loved and cared for. The Samaritan effectively left his credit card with the innkeeper and just said, whatever it costs, look after him. I'll sort it out on my return journey. It's like giving the guy a blank check, just take care of him. I'll sort it out on my return. He went way beyond. He gave of himself. God calls us to give ourselves to those in need. The fatherless, the vulnerable, and so on. And it's not just opening our wallets, but rather... It's opening our hearts. And so, hospitality is about opening our hearts and indeed our homes to welcome in the stranger, the needy, the vulnerable, to give someone else a place at our table. And there should be no limit to what that means. There's a challenge here from God's Word and from the Lord Himself. And for some, hospitality has become an ongoing way of life, not just having someone over for a meal. Both Sarah and I have talked about our fostering journey in different occasions and it's a subject we'll look at again later in the year. That would be one example of Of life like that. Another example in our church community has been uh, the way that we've been able to respond as a church family to needs in Ukraine, like a country just miles away, yet we've been able to make some response with other churches and friends as well to people that have become dear friends. So Chrissy, why don't you come and share something of your story of you and Derek and What's happened in your family in the last year or so?
1: Hi. Uh, well, uh, I think everybody's often very polled by what happens on the news when we hit with atrocities that we see throughout the world. And very quickly, we all tend to think, well, how can we be involved? How can we help? And 90% of the time, it's about giving. And, you know, we've seen with Sudan, we've seen with many other countries. Uh, throughout our walk as God's children, and we just want to get involved. So when it hit Ukraine and it was right, well, there is the giving. Please give, please give. I was right, right, right there. Right, we are giving, we giving. And our church, praise God, our church was so on it and so giving. We took up collections after two collections. We had prayer meetings. It was awesome. And not just Ukraine. It's happened with many other atrocities. So praise God. So I decided, all right, well, I really felt my heart pulled tremendously with this, and I wanted to do more, but there was nothing more I could do. And then, praise God, one month later, Boris, good old Boris, announced, homes for Ukraine. I was like, Whoa! So that was my way in. So straight away, I got onto the government, tried to text Boris, but he didn't answer any of my texts got onto the government, searched and searched, because it wasn't a great deal. They'd only just announced. I think I heard within a couple of hours of it happening. Um, And uh, anyway, I eventually found a form, and I filled it in. And then, and volunteered us. And then a couple of days later, I told Derek. (laughs) 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 Uh, He was, oh, okay, Chrissy. Okay. um, All right, but... um, you know, this, this is a really big decision, and, and what if? And, um, and he had a few reservations, and they were all rightfully so. When he put them all before me, they were all rightfully so. But if I would have stood with Derek on those res- reservations, we both would have been wrong. So I was right. He was wrong. This is what God's telling us to do. Anyway, we then... I still didn't hear... Uh, I think it was only a week. I was pretty impatient, but the government didn't, apply, didn't reply to me. Oh, this is nonsense! This is what, what are they doing? So I decided I was search further. So I found this uh, Sanctuary Foundation, run by a wonderful man called uh, Krish Kanda Kandia Kanda. It was amazing. So I thought, right, I'm going to get hold of him. I want to speak to him about this. So I did. And he was so gracious. He even spoke to me. I'm like, oh, this is great. And I'm like, well, what's happening? What's going on? This isn't moving fast enough. And he did kind of say, it is only a week since we've announced this. So, like, cool it a bit. Um, But anyway, I went to him. So he was amazing. Um, He put me in contact with many others. And still another couple of weeks went past. And we still hadn't heard anything. (laughs) And still all this is going on. And I knew there was people... Getting out of Ukraine, I knew they were being stuck in not always the nicest of places. And I've got this home, and this is not this is not good enough. So eventually I thought, I wonder if Graham knows anything. So I said, Graham, you know this. And Graham's like, yeah, I'll put you in contact with Christ Central. Who we just heard about amazing. And the most amazing, wonderful lady who works for Christ Christ Central called Emma. Spoke got hold of me and spoke to me. And within, I can honestly say, I think it was a couple of days, she phoned me and she said, Chrissy, I've got a mommy and her two boys. Will you have? And before she said, I went, yeah, 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 yeah. And she said, well, Graham kind of said you'd do this, but Graham advised me to tell you, please just cover it with Derek. I went, no, Derek's age, yeah, I promise you. I ran out of the bedroom, I ran, because I was in bed. This lady, it was 10 o'clock at night. So this amazing lady was working so hard a place in Ukrainian families all over the UK from Christ Central. And it was 10 o'clock at night and she was still doing it. Anyway, I ran back in the bedroom. I went, Derek, Derek, we've got a family. It's OK, isn't it? And he's <laughs> half asleep. He went, yeah. I said, OK. I said, I said, Emma, did you hear? And she went, I'll still phone you tomorrow and just confirm. Anyway, she phoned. And the rest is history. Uh, it was the 24th of July at, um, it was just before three o'clock, I'll never forget standing there, my heart was pounding, never seen them, didn't know what they looked like. I only had found out the names a couple of days before, was a bit scared, I might not pronounce them correctly, Um, but my heart was pounding, and we stood there at the airport waiting, and this family came walking through and, I just praise God for them. i just, just so thankful, Lord, thank you. Because I know this is a family you are blessing us with. And believe me, we are so blessed. They are the most easiest people to love in the world. They really are. Uh, they showed such courage. You know, Rustic is already... He's going to be a dentist. We're speaking that into being perfected. He's going to be a dentist. We know that. But for now, he's gone to uh, do a a dental nurse training. And at the beginning of next year, he'll be uh, registered with the British Dental Association as a qualified dental nurse. He's done it all himself. He's worked hard. Mark, wow, that young man. What can I say about our Mark? (laughs) We love him to miss. He, um, He got thrown into a secondary school all alone. He couldn't have his brother with him. He could speak English quite well. He couldn't have the security of his mum. And he was thrown in in year eight. He goes into the secondary school. For all, they had lots of promises before he went, what they were going to do. There honestly wasn't a lot in place. And he so bravely went every day. He walked down and he went to school. And now he's... And he couldn't even understand English properly. So what courage is that? Hey, that's the power of God. Derek and I every day would pray over them. Every day praying, Lord, just give them wisdom. Give them power. Give them strength to face today's journey. Because when you're in a new country with a totally different culture and a strange language... It must be so tough. I mean, I went to Africa, but at least he spoke English. You know, there's not many people speak Ukraine here. Um, And he's done so well. I am so, so proud of the boys. And as for Natasha, well, we've got... And a best friend forever and a wonderful... I often look at her and think, she's only three years older than my daughter. So I'm adopting her. She's been one of our daughters as well. So now we didn't... We haven't lost anything. Derek and I feel really privileged. And we've gained a wonderful new friend and daughter. Two wonderful extra grandsons, which we didn't know we were going to get. And they've just been a blessing. And I have to say, this is all down to Christ Central. It really, really is. I didn't know this DVD was going to show today. But my heart was also to say, please support and give to Christ Central. Because without the work of willing, God-wonderful, filled, joyful people like Emma, there would be many Ukrainian people stuck still. And I know they got out. They went over the borders. But Mark and Rostik and Natasha was actually living in a prison. You know, it had a small little window at the top and so was Alina. And that was their accommodation. They might have been safe, but it certainly wasn't home. And without Christ Central, there would still be many, many Ukrainian people stuck. So thank you, Lord, for Emma and that wonderful team. Thank you.
0: Well done, Jack. Thanks, Chrissy. Oh, come on. (laughs) You can, yeah. Is it working? Yeah, it's working.
2: Well, um, when I came today in the church, I didn't know I will stay here. And I don't have really a large speech to tell you, but I'm happy that I've got an opportunity to tell you something. I believe that stage is for people who has got to share something. Well, and yeah. Uh, Firstly, I want to say... Thank you to Chrissy and Derek, (laughs) I'm so happy that we met them, and uh, I feel really blessed to meet them in this moment of my life, not earlier, not later, this moment, yeah. Uh, And um, I know that now I am receiving, but uh, everything that I receive, I will want to give in the future and that will be an receiving and exchanging of God's grace and I believe that helps us to love each other and it keeps our belief in God Uh, (laughs) yeah all right and also I want to thank you for Jubilee Church for your hospitality yes thank you a
0: lot Wonderful, isn't it? It's amazing. Really, really good. It's been so good to see Chrissy and Derek open up their home and Ben and Julia open up theirs as well. And uh, just thank you for, for being part of that and for you guys particularly for opening your homes but also for others that have supported and been involved as well. That's what I mean when I talk about making space around your table. It's not just a meal on a Sunday afternoon. It is genuinely a way of life. So as we wrap up, because I can't really follow Chrissy (laughs) (laughs) has your definition of hospitality widened today? I do hope so. I hope that over these last couple of weeks, you've got a biblical definition of what hospitality is and a biblical definition of who your neighbor is as well. Now the challenge for all of us is how do you put that into practice? What do you do with that information? So the the trouble for The difficulty, challenge, trouble, whatever word you use for many of us in the West is we've got such access to this book, such access to God's Word. And for those of you who have been a Christian for any length of time, how many hundreds or thousands of messages (laughs) have you heard? The challenge for each of us is what do we do with What we've heard? What do we do with what we've learnt? How do we put it into practice? How do we live in a way that makes space for others around our table? How do we live in a way that incorporates others into our lives? It looks different for each of us. Different stages of life, different circumstances. I I understand that. But in the circumstance and situation you find yourself in right now, what does it look like for you? What can you do? Who is your neighbour? In the widest definition, to who can you show hospitality to? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this Parable of the Good Samaritan, as, as we know it, we thank you that you challenge our preconceptions and assumptions as much as you did that teacher of the law. And Lord, this morning we want to pray that you would help each of us to respond in a way that's right for us and our circumstances and situation right now. Help us not to look for hurdles, but help us, Lord, to look for opportunities. Father, would we make space for others around our tables? Would you help us as a church family to be such a welcoming and loving place for others as they come in? And Lord, will that be true of our own homes personally as well? We pray, Lord, that you would be honoured, you would be glorified in the way that we respond to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I would encourage you this week in in life groups, do consider this. Do think about, you know, who is your neighbour in the widest sense of that definition. So who can you show hospitality to? And we're going to come back for part three of this series in a few weeks' time. And we'll look at it in perhaps a bit more of an international flavour. And looking forward to uh, having a friend come as a guest speaker to share that message with us. But more on that in a few weeks' time.